Hello and welcome to another episode of History Bluffs, where truth is stranger than fiction. I want to welcome to the show right now your host, Alan! Hello! Yes! This is History Bluffs and Truth is Stranger Than Fiction, and you already know that thanks to our amazing tech Adam. How you doing, Adam? I'm great, Alan. Thanks for asking. I'm I'm glad to glad to see and hear you. And uh, to, uh, Adam's here. He's doing our sound effects. He does all the tech that you uh, see throughout the show. And uh, we thank Adam so much. Give Adam a round of applause, Adam. I just, I can't. I just couldn't. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank all thank the you. applause. Thank you. You can get. Thank you, Adam. So Alan, Adam the stage is, is yours. I appreciate it. Now we have. Uh, armchair historians in this show and what they're going to do is they're going to give you uh, some information about our topic and first what I'm going to introduce is a uh, well ladies first we're going to bring out Gina Gina how are you I'm good how are you I'm doing quite well uh, Gina I have a question for you do okay. you have a favorite sport I love softball um, to watch or to play uh, either Oh, I love to play softball. Um, I love to watch football in real life, though, and basketball in real life, um, and baseball in real life. And I don't really like any sports on TV except football. And so basketball. when you say in real life, do you mean in the stands or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I freaking okay. love going to the games. Like they, you like going so to fun. attending? Yeah. Yes, though that is fun. So you just don't have any desire to watch TV TV games. Well, they bore me, and the announcers are. Um, the announcers started recently making it sort of a little bit more about their life outside of the sports, which I like as a, as a woman. I don't know if it's just because I'm a woman, but other than that, boring. Um, and and then I have to have somebody there explaining the rules. Otherwise, boring at home. But when you're there, they smash into each other, they scream at each other. You can hear them like you know giving each other shit. It's fun. It's just that fun. is fun. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> Thank you, Gina. You're welcome. Let's get our uh, next armchair historian out. Um, we have also from the city of Orlando, Darren. Hey. Darren, uh, same question for you. Do you have a favorite sport? Um, I mean, I've recently got into the uh, famous, it's really popular in Pennsylvania. It's Amish barn racing. Hmm. Yeah, it's okay. best seen live. I, I think Gina can attest to that. I couldn't agree with okay. that. If you don't see it live, what's the point? Yeah, Hell you know the rules. is garbage. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, it, fair because, it, because it's on television, which is counter to an Amish barn racing. You right. also can't you have, to bring your, you have to bring a camera that is already batteried. Like you can't, there's no with place the, to charge it. With the no place to it. plug yeah. it in. Absolutely right. Mm -hmm. All right, that makes sense. But, uh, you know what? Um, what? You had it's something fun. more to add? Oh, it's it is fun. Good. Yeah. Yes. How about from the city of Chicago? Let's get our old friend Carlos on the show. Hello. It's Hello, me. Carlos. Carlos, uh, of all the sports, what is your favorite? My favorite sport is whirly ball. Is it? And that what is, is it? my favorite sport to avoid. Because <laughs> I did it for the first time this weekend, and doing it once is enough. Do you oh, know what whirly ball is? For those that don't know, I've I've played whirly ball on numerous occasions. You 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 pilot a uh, bumper car, yep. and you uh, have a uh, some sort of a highlight uh, stick, and you catch and throw 
wiffle balls in an attempt to throw it through like a basketball hoop. Am I getting this right, Carlos? Yeah, it's like highlight on a on a bumper car. Yeah, highlight. How is that bad? Is mm. that bad? <laughs> Carlos is apparently bad at it, and he doesn't want to do it ever again. <laughs> nope. Sounds terrible. Well, I would think you would like it, Carlos, because you don't have to run. You're driving. Oh boy! Oh, fired. Accurate and hurtful. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, for those of you that aren't paying attention, uh, the the topic is actually the word "ball," and uh, the armchair historians are going to have uh, a history that is inspired by the word ball and uh, right now they're going to organize their topics organize their thoughts and uh you know what adam let's get the rules up on the screen so that everyone knows exactly how our game is played it's much better than the game of whirly ball i'd be happy to alan do we want to uh do we want to bring on our last member of the cast oh my goodness first we have a special treat we don't always do this every episode but we have a fourth person who is not an armchair historian that is our judge, Chris Berry. Bring on Chris Berry. There he is. Hello. You know what, Chris? I'd like to ask you the same question. What's your favorite sport? Uh, my favorite sport is hockey. Mm. Yeah. Okay. They don't yes. even use a ball. They don't, they use, don't a ball. use a ball. Although, although uh, youth hockey, they use balls. It's like on, on roller hockey, they use ball. Uh, field and, hockey, uh, street, yes. Street hockey, field hockey, yep. they use balls. So, yeah, so so there's there some stuff. Okay. There well, who is your favorite hockey team? Uh, the New York Rangers. New York Rangers. Okay. The and that's... Stanley Cup champion New York Rangers. Excellent. That uh, briefly held uh, the great one on their team. Is that right? That is correct. He retired yeah. as a Ranger. Yes, indeed. What's that? He retired as a Ranger. He retired. That was his final team. Yes. Uh, Wayne Gretzky. You don't follow hockey. That's who I'm talking about. All right. Uh, Adam, you ready? I'm ready. Here's the rules you requested, Alan. Thank you. So, yes, the historians are inspired by the topic, which today is ball. The true stories have to be completely factual. They can't stretch the truth. They can't bend the truth. They can't make anything up. However, the bluff story is fictional. And by fictional, we mean the premise is fictional. There might be some truth in the story, They'd have to use some truth in the story. If you asked them who the president of the United States was in uh, the 1790s, they would uh, probably tell you the truth. Uh, but also, no help from the audience is allowed. This is currently being streamed live on YouTube. And we have some audience members that if they chime in and correct people or give them some insight as to what is true and false, that's going to spoil the reveal which will be made at the end when we reveal who is the bluff. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, the timing of the rounds, the first round is 75 seconds, second round is 60, and the final round is less than a minute at 45 seconds. Everyone got it? Got it. All right, and we've already got an audience member, Tom. He says, yes, there are four, but not all four are historians, Tom. Only these three that you see on the screen and our friend Chris is going to be judging. He will also help you, Tom, as your representative of airing out who he thinks is telling the truth and who is the bluff. Yes. And, you know, Adam, I think it's time for our first round, which appropriately is titled 
Round one. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And for round one, I'd like to hear from Carlos first. You ready, Carlos? Yes, I am ready. Excellent. Your timer begins once we see that sundial. And we're going to hear a cannon shot shortly thereafter. There's the cannon. There's here comes the cannon. There it is. All right, Alan. Today I want to talk about not one ball, but two balls dropping in the same year. Of course, I am talking about the year way back in 1975, as we were going from 75 to 76, when there was not only a ball drop in New York City, the traditional one that everyone knows about, but there was also a ball drop at the Washington Monument. I want to talk about the circumstances that led to this duo ball droppage. All right. So in the office of the White House right now, we have Gerald Ford. He, of course, took over back in 74 when Nixon resigned. Gerald Ford was the president, but he wasn't elected. All right. And he had a, uh, you know, the 1975 wasn't the most awesome year for America. Okay, there was some good stuff, but not bad. We just ended the Vietnam War, and we lost. It wasn't great. So uh, his chief of staff, Dick Cheney, I think you may know who that is, his chief of staff had an idea. Maybe we can do something to uh, make people forget about all the bad stuff of this year and push you up for the presidential one next year. Mm. Wow. Okay. Well, two balls dropping. That's there's a joke right there, and I'm not going to touch it uh, because I don't touch that sort of thing. You don't anyway, touch two balls dropping. I don't touch two balls dropping. Sorry, Carlos. But uh, speaking of which, Gina, you, yes, do you have, have an none. opinion? I have no two balls <laughs> dropping at the same time. Well, um, 1975 was uh, Daniel De Roma. Um, the first uh, was born in 1964. So my assumption is in 1975, his two balls dropped. Um, I, but I'm not sure because I don't know how like science works that way. But at the end of the day, um, he was, I would say that right now so far, uh, his, um, Carlos's story is correct because Gerald Ford was not elected. Um, and those are the, I mean, he dropped a couple of facts and those are the only facts in his story that I know. So, so far he's winning. <laughs> it's like telling the truth, my theory anyway. Okay. So but she thinks I she reserve the truth. Hmm? That's a vote for true actually there. For true. All right. Uh, Darren, what's your opinion on the New York and DC ball dropping? I agree with Gina of the historians we've heard so far. I agree with Carlos the most. Uh, uh, mainly because, I mean, the idea that you would just drop another ball to distract America is very much a Dick Cheney kind of tactic. <laughs> uh, he, he probably even called it like shock and awe or something like that. So, I mean, it's very plausible going into it. Shock and ball. That's right. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. All right. We got a pair of balls and we got a dick. That's interesting to, to comment on. <laughs> oh, and the Washington <laughs> Monument. Need to be and more. the Washington Monument, exactly. Where, where, where? How far can we take this without it being appropriate? I don't know. We're but past I that line, know. Alan. We're already past that line. Oh, because the Washington Monument is made of marble. Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you guys. Oh. 
Okay. Sandstone, actually. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to another historian. We've got Gina. Gina, what is your inspiration? Oh, uh, we're going to give you a timer with that sundial that's going to appear. And your timer starts. There it is. My inspiration is Ball. My um, title of my story is called Truly Tasteless. Um, in 1901, a German scientist named David Hanig discovered that there were taste buds uh, that detected four different kinds of taste. We probably all know this, the sweet, sour, salty, and bitter. Uh, they were all designed to detect different proteins within the food that you ingested in your mouth. And then they send a signal to your brain to tell you, your brain, what kind of food it is. Um, one of the biggest uh, indicators of poisonous food or food that was perhaps toxic uh, was the bitter flavor. So back in the um, olden days before the was a lot of technology that was one way that people would um knew knew that their body was about to get something poisonous or toxic and they knew not to eat it in 1908 uh kikunai akita in japan discovered that the taste buds actually have a fifth taste that's right it's called umami and that is the taste receptor that um is uh detects the proteins that are in soy sauce and msg and things like really rich cheeses um he called that the savory taste bud so now that there are five there are five of them in 1940s in the 1940s a harvard professor took it one step farther and i'll tell you about that in the next round all right Harley. Oh, and what it has to do with balls, I will get to that shortly. All right, second round, she will Play explain. on the play! <laughs> Carlos, <laughs> what is your contention? My Carlos. contention is that Gina always pulls this. I'll tell you in the second round how why I'm talking about the topic. No! <laughs> no! I want it now! First round. Do you really? Do you want also, it now? I thought mommy was food. I thought mommy was food. All right? Is I it mommy with you, not an E. I call bollocks on all of this. <laughs> bollocks? We have a judge, right? Judge? Well, oh, yeah. We didn't even hear from the judge yet. Judge, are you judging us? All right, I am judge. Judging. I am Chris, judging, indeed. You've heard mm. from two historians so far. Judge, what's your opinion on Carlos and Gina? Well, I, I, for Carlos, I, you know, is he actually, is he saying that the U.S. government dropped the ball? That's not, That never happens. Come on. Um, and then uh, about, about Gina's story, um, Umami, uh, Okay, I'm, I'm going to wait to hear how she's going to tie it in in round number two. Thank okay, you. all right, good to You're know. You're being awfully nice there, Chris. <laughs> Darren, what is your opinion on Gina's uh, tasteless story? You know, I, I thought the Germans' research would be more like, sweet, sour! No, I, that's a, that doesn't track. It was, mm. I just didn't do the uh, dialect because I'm bad at those. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair All enough. right, well, how about this? We're going to have our third historian tell his round one story on the topic of ball. And Darren, give us the title of your topic as soon as you hear uh, the gong. All right. The title of my story tonight is Can It Frank? So it starts back in 1880 when two of the five Ball brothers, Edmund and Frank Ball, borrowed $200 from their uncle to buy a small company in Buffalo, New York, named the Wooden Jacket Can Company, called that because they made cans encased in wooden jackets to uh, hold things like uh, varnishes and paint and kerosene. 
And uh, after they bought it, business boomed, primarily because kerosene is corrosive and eventually the cans would leak. And if you put the cans by fire, boom, they exploded. So uh, to keep their investment from going up in flames, they figured out if they put a glass liner inside the tin can, it would protect the tin from corroding. And it worked. The new cans didn't leak. And business really boomed, but not from exploding cans, from selling a lot of cans that didn't go boom. And um, so with business booming, they enlisted the three other Ball brothers, William, Lucius, and George Ball, to expand the business and ramp up production. But they soon ran into a problem, which was they couldn't find enough of these glass jars. Mm. Interesting. All right. We've got the Ball brothers with Canet Frank. Uh What's say our judge? I'm curious to hear what our judge has to say since I delayed his introduction so late earlier. Uh, judge Chris, what do you think about the Ball Brothers' Can It Frank? Uh, I am going to give Darren uh, two points uh, for uh, his his own sound effects with boom. Uh, that's that's the so far. That's what I got out of his story. I like it. All right, he likes you so far, there, Darren. Uh, I'm winning, Carlos. What's your take? <laughs> Carlos, we need some sound on your end there. Gotcha. This sounds like a lot of ball-loaning. Oh, zing. Uh, you know what? They're five ball brothers. I think they're also five ball dwins. Do oh, we not see the connection here? He's just, he just, you know what? Ball dwins, ball brothers, you know? One of them probably has a really soothing voice. Interesting. <laughs> one of them is William. That's true. One of them that is William. One of them is William. Fair and Edmund. And one of them is in your favorite reference movie, Kaiser Sose, the the um, untouch not the Untouchables, the uh, Kaiser Sose movie, <laughs> the other Baldwin. Usual uh, suspects. Suspect. I think that's it. That's it. Yes. Well, Gina, yeah, uh, since you're chiming so in, let's hear Gina's opinion now. Well, I also would like to give Darren uh, two um, extra points because he used the um, he was talking about. Um, things being flammable and he said the knots and wanting to see their investment go up in flames which i thought was so clever but then i would like to additionally take those two points away because everybody's heard of a full metal jacket but not a wooden jacket so mm, fascinating mm. Oh, hey, right. adam, the tech, adam the tech were those just in reverse were those little dings in reverse that was really clever well yeah 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 you took them back so <laughs> we took them back yeah. not yours also, darren it holds the logic she doesn't have the authority to do that, Adam, at all. To give any points? Oh, yeah, no, maybe not. She doesn't have the authority to give any points. Uh, I'm just happy to make sounds, man. She can take away the points she gives, is what we're oh, saying. Oh, that's okay. I have no authority for anything, but I am a rebel. All right, well, we're back to net zero there. And since that's we're at net zero, uh, let's get out of round one and proceed on to the next round, Tech Adam. Round two. <laughs> Yes. Gina, we're going to bring you up first. Okay. And Gina, we want some more information as to, first of all, how could this possibly be relevant to our topic of ball? And we're going to find out right now. 
All right, so this guy in 1940s, a Harvard professor named Edward Boring, who was anything but, um, took it one step further. He determined that the mouth has taste buds and receptors, all five. He agreed with all five of them. Um, and they analyzed the proteins and acids in your food. He agreed with that. And they alert your brain via the central nervous system. He agreed with that. But then he also discovered that taste receptors live in other parts of your body. So not just in your mouth, not just in the roof of your mouth or your tongue, but they go all the way down through the respiratory, the circulatory and the um, reproductive organs um, all the way from your mouth to your anus, including your balls. That's right, guys. There are taste receptors on your testicles. Um, and so uh, none of the taste receptors that are not in your mouth are connected to any of part of your brain to tell your brain, hey, this tastes like this. But they are designed to kind of like weed out food as it gets to your body. So, for example, your pancreas has some taste receptors. So when food is sweet on your tongue, it verifies that the food that was sweet on your tongue indeed made it inside. And then it releases some more insulin. And I will tell you more about that in the third Wow. Is Gina educating the men on our panel about their own testicles? Carlos, what say you? I say that if there were taste receptors, if there were taste receptors in our testicles or around our buttocks, we would know. Which? Okay? It would not be a pleasant taste. I can't taste ass. Oh. All right? How do you know? It. Have you ever tried? <laughs> Unless I've gotten so used to it that I just don't taste it, I don't think so. She just making up that these things go. Why would it? Why? Why, Alan? Why would the taste receptors connect to the genitals? Why? Explain this to me. I don't know, Carlos. I can't help you, but you know who might be able to help you is our judge, uh, Chris. I want to hear your take. On Gina's theory, I can't even look at you. I I, I, hear, I hear Gina talking about Edward Boring doing this, and and it sounds to me like if I have ever heard any example of a government grant being used so they don't lose the funding for the next year, that is it. Um, I, I don't know. And and by the way, uh, Carlos lost a hundred points for putting that image in my head. <laughs> Fair. Fair. All right. Well, Tom, our audience member, thinks he learned something. Uh, if Gina's not the bluff, then I think we all learned something because I don't think anyone here knew about what she's saying. Darren, what say you? I I mean, it does explain that one time, and it was just one time, and it wasn't my idea that I wore edible panties. <laughs> mm. Okay. And I well, didn't eat them something. with my mouth. I... <laughs> all right. Fair. Okay. Well, you learned something that day, right? I did, <laughs> and it was don't talk to strangers, Chris. That better be 200 points. Tom is definitely learning something now about all of us, including <laughs> Darren. And speaking of Darren, Darren, how about your second round starting in just a matter of seconds? You ready, Darren? I am ready. Please proceed with the cannon shot, Buffalo 1885. The Ball Brothers boom is bound to bust without more jars. Their solution? Belgians. <laughs> Incredibly, in 1885, a group of Belgian glassblowers is passing through Buffalo, and they meet with the Ball Brothers and convince them to open their own glassworks. And they do. They build a two-story factory outside of Buffalo and start cranking out kerosene jars. And business once again booms because the factory burns down. But that's okay. They, they build a new factory and go back to the good kind of booming where they make a lot of money. 
But now they have a different problem, and that is they, they sell a lot of kerosene jars in the winter, but not in the summer. So the factory doesn't have much to do in the summer, and they need something for the workers to do. And coincidentally, uh, the patent for the mason jar had just expired the year before in 1884. And so the Ball brothers start using excess factory capacity to make ball mason jars. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, I'm curious to hear Gina's opinion on that story. What do you think, Gina? Oh, 21. 21 what? Times that he used the letter B to start one of his le- his uh, ah, words. Ah, <laughs> uh, That was a really great use of alliteration. So you get 21 points from me. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. But then you get 21 points taken away because the balls that I used to use on my farm to, I mean, the jars that I used to use on my farm were not called mason jars. They were called ball jars. And so I would like to take those back. Thank you. Wow. Sounds oh, like she's giving some validity to that story, Darren. Uh, Carlos, what do you think? Uh, there was too much ball alliteration for it to be ball-leavable. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, also, I, did he suggest that mason jars were patented at some point? Sounds like, like you it. couldn't make mason like you couldn't just make a jar that the, it was a, such a specific jar design that you couldn't make one. I That's called like... balderdash on that. Oh, <laughs> what wow. I said. Okay. Well, the Judge Chris, what say you? Well, I uh, first would uh, give two more points for all his alliteration to uh, to Darren. However, uh, then he loses all four of the points I've given him because. His story sounds conveniently too tightly tied together. Hmm, interesting. Also, uh, Tom called out Carlos, so Tom also thinks that you went a bridge too far with that balderdash joke, Carlos. You follow? I stand by my joke. Okay. All right, well, speaking of Carlos and his standing behind his crude... Use of the word balderdash. We're going to have you start your story with a cannon shot. All right. So you have Dick Cheney, chief of staff to Gerald Ford, and he's saying, hey, let's do a ball drop here as well. Let's do a ball drop in D.C. It'll you know, be patriotic because 1976 is coming. That's the year of the bicentennial. And while it's technically not the bicentennial yet, who says we can't get started early? As soon as it hits 76, we hit the ground running with an unofficial campaign. Uh, obviously, this irks the the Senate leader, the Senate Majority Leader, Mike Mansfield, who's a Democrat. And he's like, well, they're obviously abusing the office. Like, you can't do that. But, I mean, he didn't get a lot of uh, support on that because it's just a ball drop, you know. So they're looking at the white house and like where can we do this and they're thinking they may pull a poll on the top of the white house but then the um the national park service is like you cannot do that it's not structurally sound this is a national heritage site you have to do it somewhere else so now they have to figure out where they're going to do it questionable uh gina what do you think of uh, carlos's uh, recounting of the mid-70s ball drop I will say, it partly makes me feel good to know that even at the White House, they have to um, they have to follow the homeowner association rules. So I feel I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, if the president can't do shit in his lawn, then I feel good about me not uh, 
not uh, doing my driveway with that uh, squirty stuff <laughs> that they tell you to do every hey. year. So. Uh, Darren, what's your take? You know, it's it's strangely not as diabolical as the kind of thinking I would expect from Dick Cheney. I would picture <laughs> yeah. more of dropping a ball from Air Force One into a crowd of people, kind of like WKRP turkey drop, like right into Times Square or something like that. Swear to God, I thought they could fly. Exactly. <laughs> and does Jenny McCarthy interview the people on the ground? <laughs> 1976 maybe they'd get charo or somebody yeah. <laughs> uh how about our judge what's our judge's opinion on carlos's story well um I, uh, I i have to be honest i really didn't hear much of the content because i was so wildly distracted with his amazing use of his hands throughout the entirety of his round so i'm giving him all the points that i took away earlier back to him for outstanding use of his hands wow well, okay. Well, that's an amazing wrap-up to round two. Uh, I think it's time for round three. Fantastic. Darren, I'm going to let you go first in this round, and you're going to have a shorter amount of time. Did we lose uh, Darren there? We, we've lost Darren's visuals. You know what? How go to plan this? B. How about we go with a different historian that's not named Darren? And that historian is going to be named uh, Carlos. Carlos, what? you're going to go in round three. Uh, are you ready, yeah. Carlos? Uh, hold on. Let me get ready. He's uh, not yeah. ready, folks. I'm ready. ready Carlos, now? <clears throat> Excellent. Yes. Carlos, a cannon shot is going to start your round. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's hear that cannon. Okay. So they're going to do this, but they can't do it at the White House. So now they think, hey, we can do it at the Washington Monument. It's a big, tall thing, too. We'll just build a big, tall pole right next to it, and we'll raise the, uh, we'll raise the ball right there. Uh, now, the problem here is that they're using the Army Corps of Engineers, and they're like, uh, we can't build something like what you're describing in time. Uh, it, it won't look as good as you think it will because it needs to kind of be secured to the monument to make sure that it doesn't fall over. So now they're like, well, let's just put like a graphic on the monument that rises up for the countdown. So they're like, okay. So they put a big ball and it changes from red to white to blue and it goes up and it's happy 1776. But that's the wrong year. That was 200 years prior. I mean, happy 1976. Yeah. <laughs> happy bicentennial. Yeah. yeah, we went back in time, or they had some really cool technology back then. I don't know. Uh, Gina, what do you think of Carlos's recounting of the year that uh, turned into 1976, celebrated at Washington, D.C.? Well, I think if it really happened in 1776, like Carlos said, Dick Cheney looks amazing. So, I mean, there. yes, <laughs> no, I, um, I don't quite remember that one, um, but I also was very, very um, like devoted to the Dick Clark New Year's Eve thing. So I didn't watch anything other than that. So if okay. it happened, it probably happened on another channel and they didn't flash back and forth like they do today and so on and so on. So I can't say that I do believe it, but I can't say that I don't. 1776 or 1976 was a great big year. I still have lots of like all of my bicentennial quarters and all the things. So, but I don't remember that. But that's not to say that it's not true. But I'm also it's like true. 
freaking game right now, Carlos. And so you're lying. It's oh. true. It's true. The government just hacked my camera to stop this. It's true. Oh. <laughs> they didn't want wow. you to know. Darren, I know you didn't see any of that third round, but uh, what's your opinion? <laughs> I'm just happy to be out of the White House uh, situation room. I was briefly kidnapped by the Secret Service during that whole time. Oh, wow. And they told you it was true? <laughs> they told me, don't talk about Dick Cheney in your podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That is the reach that Dick Cheney still has to this day. Yeah. Oddly enough, that same reach can't get his daughter reelected for some reason. <laughs> yeah, but, it's not uh, valid in uh, Wyoming. Okay, well, anyway, Chris, you have an opinion on what you heard? I do, uh, and I am, uh, let's just say, highly skeptical that, not that I'm bashing the government by any means, but uh, you're telling me, Carlos, that the government, they didn't have uh, time to create a uh, a structure that would be sound, physically sound to hold a ball dropping, but they had time in that same amount of time to create graphics that would go up the Washington Memorial, um, uh, the Washington Monument. I, uh, let's just say, I'm, I'm going to be skeptical. I'm putting myself in the skeptical camp right now. The lighting and, system. The lighting system. Okay. Yep. Uh, still skeptical. Okay. Well, Chris is not sold. Uh, Darren, how about we get you to go before you lose your feed again? That's a good idea. <laughs> uh, Darren, you're going to start. You're only getting, uh, I believe this is what, 45 seconds, Adam? 45 seconds is round three. We're 45 right. seconds for you, Adam. Get uh, at 45 seconds for you, Darren, starting now. Okay, so uh, a few years later, they're, they're making all these jars, and sales are booming in the good way. And then there's a different kind of boom, which is a discovery of natural gas in Indiana. And so the town of Muncie, Indiana, sort of calls up the Ball Brothers on the probably the Telegraph at that point. And they offer them seven acres of land, their own free gas well. Uh, they're going to connect them to the railroad. And they give them uh, $5,000 in cash if they'll just move the whole operation from Buffalo, New York to Muncie, Indiana. And they do. And they, they move to Muncie, Indiana, and they start saving all this money using natural gas instead of coal. And to this day, Ball Industries is headquartered in Muncie, Indiana. But ironically, the Ball Corporation no longer makes anything out of glass. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, Gina, what do you think of uh, Darren's story there? My mind is like one of those good pieces of glass at the fair. It's blown. You know, like when you, I mean, that was crazy. How could they not make, did they even make the ball jars at all? Like ever? Is that part of their thing? Or I don't know. You can't even answer that. You're I, lying. Oh, <laughs> called out. Gina <laughs> Whatever says, ball taste buds, lady. <laughs> no. Baloney. Okay. So, <laughs> Carlos, what say you? I feel like uh, Darren is too disheveled from all the kerfufflery that just happened to be able to lie competently. So <laughs> I'm starting to think that maybe he, he, what he just said, he just said it very clearly. I was looking for all the telltale signs of someone who had been agitated, uh, and I did not see them. So I think Gina may be... Uh, our liar, especially when she suggests that taste buds are in the genitals. Again, <laughs> I call Balderdash. Wow. Triple Dash. 
I'm yes. like, yeah, your world right now, man. I think it's my turn soon. So one well, of your turn be. soon, but be. not before we acknowledge uh, Tom's uh, pointing out about the harsh uh, statement that was said prior to Carlos's uh, rebuttal there. Thank you, Tom, for chiming in. And uh, you know what? We got a judge here who's waiting to give his opinion. Chris, what do you think? I think the discovery of natural gas in Muncie, Indiana, has me pretty hard on the skeptical fence about this story as well. Um, I am going to wait to hear what Gina has to say before I make my final determination. Okay. Well, Gina, that's you. You're the last historian to go for round three. Are you ready? Sort of. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's hear all about your uh, your, uh, story here. Okay. Okay, so some more studies were released at the end of 2009, and specifically by tabloid uh, newspapers. They were sensational newspapers, and um, they specifically highlighted the fact that your balls have taste receptors in them. Um, Now, this was in 2020, before the COVID lockdown, and men across the world, um, inspired by, hold on, what was her name? Oh, it's a a girl on TikTok with the handle, crying in the car, inspired the soy sauce challenge, because the taste receptors receptors in your balls are only the umami savory kind that can taste rich cheeses or soy sauce. So the soy sauce challenge started on TikTok where people were dunking their balls inside vats of soy sauce. But even if you tried those this challenge and you dunked your bad boys in a whole vat of savory soy sauce or shaving the uh, Parmigiano Reggiano, you would not register to anything because the taste buds are on the inside and they help to determine which sperm make it and which don't. Wow. Because like it can tell which ones are poisonous and toxic and which ones are the good ones. Wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Carlos, what do you think? Alan, <laughs> we were all in lockdown in 2020, glued to our computers. So if there were a TikTok viral trend where people were dipping their balls in it, then we would know. This wouldn't be a secret. We'd all still be talking. Hey, remember that crazy time in 2020 when people were dipping their balls in soy sauce? Do you remember that? That's what we're saying to this day right now. Every day, that would be the conversation starter. This is poppycock, Alan. Pun intended. Poppycock! Fair, fair, Carlos. Fair at all valid points. And thank you for quoting Ken Marino's character from the state. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Darren, what is your opinion? I think you all forget your history so quickly. The dipping of balls in soy sauce was something that Dick Cheney wanted us to do to defeat Iraq in 2001. Also to keep your mind off of the COVID. (laughs) So... Well, and why would that even work during COVID? Because COVID gets rid of your taste. Fair. Well, they just needed to check and see if it got rid of the taste down there, too. Chris, you're the judge. Let's hear your take. Well, uh, similar to Carlos, my flag went up immediately with Gina's fast and loose use of time jumps. Uh, You know, she was thrown out in in mid-sentence almost, going from 2009 to 2020. Uh, and, and she brought back the umami uh, that hadn't been mentioned since round one and soy sauce. And uh, so I, uh, I think I've made my determination on who the bluff is. Okay, oh, well. Hi, Alan. What's that? Can, can I make a disclaimer? Gina's that whether got a my, disclaimer. 
Yeah, whether my story is true or the bluff, balls should never be dunked in anything for taste. And most of all, don't inject stuff into your balls to try to see if the inside of your balls can taste them. It's not connected to your brain. Your brain can never, ever taste from your balls. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Gina, for that safety disclaimer. He's admitting it's a lie. Message. No, they're Um, there. They just serve a different function, Carlos. All right, so I think we've heard everyone's opinion. We've heard everyone's story. Uh, if our audience member has an opinion on who the bluffer is, speak now or forever. Hold your peace. Um, no pun intended. And um, how about... Uh, let's get the final word from Chris, our judge. Uh, Chris, do you, you got an opinion on who our bluffer is? I, I do. I, I am uh, still harshly skeptical of... Uh, both uh, Carlos and uh, Darren on some of their details, uh, but I have to believe that Gina is the bluff on this one. Um, I just really do. Oh, and we have an opinion from the audience. That's not what Chris said. Uh, Tom actually believes that Darren is the bluffer, so that's interesting as well. Uh, What I'm going to do now, though, is um, I'm going to remove myself from the game and uh, take it away, Adam. All right. I'm going to line up our historians of the evening here, and we're going to reveal now if your bluffer was Darren. It also could have been the very boisterous Carlos. Or it was the ever astounded Gina. I and I alone know. And I'm going to reveal it now. Your bluffer tonight was Carlos. What? Wow. Hold on. Who knew? Who knew? Certainly not anyone pick me. No. No No I won. I won the game. Technically, you did win. Well done, Carlos. You are the bluffer. You fooled us all. I now am curious about Gina's facts, and I attempted to test. Hashtag soy sauce challenge. Look it up. It's not fun. I can warn you ahead of time. I'm doing it right now off camera. Anyone who's received a vasectomy, did you taste the procedure? I want to know. Please contact History Bluffs. Uh, Wow, Adam. Um, yeah, that's not appropriate for the nope, urologist. No, nope, it's anyway, not. It's the best I had. Adam, <laughs> take us out of here. All right. We've got uh, congratulations. Good job on the bluff to Carlos because you totally fooled the audience. But I will tell you what, folks. We are here every week. I want to thank the whole crew. Tune in again because we're not done with you. We'll see you again next time. Good night. <laughs>